Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right. I am super excited to jump into this interview with Mark Washek, president at Ag One Source. Uh, Mark is somebody I've, I've known for quite some time. Uh, we've got some university and fraternity background in common. And uh, so, so we're both gophers uh, from the University of Minnesota, which we're proud of. Not everybody else gives us all the accolades for that, but we're, uh, we're, we're still gophers through and through. Uh, Mark has, uh, has been a great resource to me over the years and was one of the first people I thought about bringing on as we started this podcast here this year. So Mark Washek, welcome to the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. Thanks, Mark. I'm looking to visiting today. Yeah, let's go. All right. So Mark, what I'm going to give you the same question I give everybody at the beginning. What does it mean for you to be intentional? Intentional to me really ties into the way the way you go about your day, the way you go about leading people, the way you go about working with people. It's uh it's it's the Covey principle of beginning with the end in mind. It's really doing what you do for the longer term play versus just focusing on what do I need to do to get through the day and really building all of your systems around that long-term goal, not just getting through the day-to-day tornado of business. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you and I both see a lot of people who are just so buried in the day-to-day of getting through the spring planting and then getting through the summer season and keeping crops growing (laughs) and then right and then then suddenly it's time for the fall and the harvest and it in in as much as it seems like there should be parts of the year where you get a break nobody ever really does Mm -hmm. and i think it makes it tough for people to be uh to be super intentional but i love what you said about the uh it's that begin with the end in mind it's looking ahead it's looking down the road and then being intentional and to me a leader should take strategic time to take a step back and look and work on the business instead of be working in the business all the time right exactly it's taking a long-term perspective with every decision you make right yeah I think that's required for for intention. So, uh, Mark, you you as a service provider to the industry, you guys place a lot of talent within agribusiness companies. So, what what I'm seeing from my viewpoint is a lot of organizations are struggling. Most, in fact, are struggling with talent retention in ag today. Mm-hmm. So, what's your take on how people can be more intentional about retaining talent in these businesses? Well, the tie-in is perfect, right? The uh, I would say, because again, understand when you're when you're an executive recruiter like myself and my team, um, while we are good at figuring out what makes people want to take a job, we're actually experts in understanding why people leave because that's why we get the call in the first place, right? My company did this, my boss did this. This is what's going on. We know all the reasons why people leave. And there's plenty of research to support this, but, you know, year over year, 90% of the people leave their jobs in America, let alone agribusiness, because of their manager. 
And I'm not going to say it's because their manager is a jerk. That is a large part, or they don't get along with them, right? Um, but it's also things that a manager could have done in order to prevent that from getting to that point, right? So it's not just the manager is not necessarily a bad person or they have a bad relationship. It's things that could have been done. And one of the big things, especially in retail ag, um, I'm going to say it, it, it isn't work-life balance like people would think it is. It's definitely not compensation like people think it is because we, every year, actually every month, we are placing people for equal or less money, you know, because people are just looking for something different. It's not always about salary. Um, yeah. It's actually about, are they going somewhere in this role? Are they going somewhere in this organization, getting back to your intention? Um, on the on the employee side of things that intention is actually reflected in purpose right is does my role have a purpose in this organization and where do i want to be in five years and is this role going to get me there right well wow. so you're actually seeing discussion yep. so you're actually right. seeing people open to to moving companies because they're more interested in purpose so even if it's a a, a lateral move or a move for less compensation they're more interested in does is my role or going to mean something more to me at that at the new company right and so again sometimes it's the it's the perception of quality of life and we can talk about that later because quality of life doesn't mean you aren't willing to to work 100 hours a week during planting by the way right that that's not where i'm going it's about the whole balance throughout your year throughout your career right it um but where I'm saying that is people are willing, if they feel like their manager doesn't care about them and there's no there's no opportunity for them to move up in responsibility and grow personally and professionally, um, they're going to go to an organization that's going to give them that opportunity or at least the perception of that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you think? So, I mean, as, as you think about we could pick this apart probably for the next hour. So sure. I want to pick a couple aspects of it. So. Uh, as you think about the opportunities to 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 grow in the role, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whether whether it's through training or growth, like what 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 is that for most people, right? Is it is it just to be challenged in the role and have opportunities to grow? Is it coaching, mentorship, training? Uh, what what are I mean, all the above? What what do you see? I would say that that's one of those things where a lot of organizations think it's really complicated and hard. Like they're saying, I don't have time to mentor and coach and train. Um, I flip that upside down and I say, it's not about that. What people are really looking for in the most part is to know they're on a pathway. So I'll pick an easy example. You have a salesperson that someday wants to become a sales manager, right? Um, most organizations say, well, it looks like you're the best person we have on the team to, to be promoted. So let's bump you to sales manager and we're going to quick hurry up and try and train you. Meanwhile, your peers are going to get frustrated with you because you haven't been fully trained to be a sales manager, right? That's unfortunately in agribusiness that how it goes more often than not because mm -hmm. we're reacting versus being intentional, right? So right. what I'm saying is you don't necessarily need to anoint a person as a sales manager and overtly provide coaching and training, but there's I guarantee whoever the sales manager is of that person and understands that employee wants to someday be a sales manager. Um, let's be honest, I've never met a sales manager that didn't have too many things on their plate already. Mm -hmm. So is there something that you can take off your plate 
to use as a way to just add just a little bit of responsibility to that employee. And every year you give them a little more responsibility and you coach them on how to handle that little responsibility versus the whole sales management job. Within three years, you have somebody that may be 60, 70, 80% of the way there so that it's a no brainer when that transition happens and the, the barrier to entry or the bar to entry is so low because you've got some of that experience. Meanwhile, that employee knows they're on a path and if somebody like me calls and say, hey, I've got a sales management opportunity, they're open to somebody that hasn't done it before, he's going to say, you know what, I'm on a path right now, I feel safe because I'm learning, I'm not going to have to make that big jump like you're asking me to do in responsibility, I'm not going anywhere, yeah. right? It makes yeah. a difference. I, so everything you just described, I love because it screams of intention, right? When we talk about intentional leadership, this is what we're talking about. Like as that sales leader, sales manager in that organization, I mean, all the ones that we work with, all the ones that we train, all the ones that we coach, the biggest reason they come to us is they're stressed out right? and they want some relief and they want help dealing with the stress. And so we'll, we'll say exactly what you just said. Okay. Who can take something off your plate? Mm -hmm. Right. And often it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know, we, you know, that because, because they're afraid to let go of the thing, it might not get done just like they would do it. Exactly. Right. right? And that's part of what you got to be okay with. That's called delegation. <laughs> exactly. They're not going to do it exactly like you did, but you, when you, when it's in a safe environment like that, and you can coach to it, even if it's not perfect, mm -hmm. you know, what a great way uh, to develop a person or people. Right. Over time, you could even make it competitive and say, I'm going to give three things out to three different people that say they want to be able to step into uh, a greater role over time. Right. What's what's your take, by the way? I see this. Mis I think it's a mistake anyway. This mistake that gets made a lot where you have a really good salesperson who gets put into that leadership role because they're a good salesperson. Mm -hmm. And now their their time is watered down and delineated over sales management responsibilities. Plus selling. Right. Exactly. What's your take on that? I mean, what, what recommend, recommendations do you make to companies? Uh, part of there, there's, there's a couple of different ways to approach that, but I think we, we, all of us, like you and I and other organizations that work with organizations, that's like a giant red flag that pops up everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's the classic, um, we want somebody internal, we want to show the employees we promote. So we'll, we'll take somebody that, that the employees, that the peers perceive as being the leader when actuality, they may not be the right choice, right? It's, uh, you know, you kind of equate it to sports coaches. Um, the top tennis players and the top golfers in the world have coaches that we've never heard of before because they were never made it on the tour, right? But they're awesome coaches, right? It's that same it's that same concept, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, even our own our own beloved Minnesota Gophers, our 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 current coach played what one or two plays in the NFL, right? Before he called it a career, right? Something yep. like that, right? So, yep. um, that's where you you have to have to sit back and really educate them on. There's two different ways to look at it. We do, and I think you do as well. Focus a lot on behavioral style, right? Regardless um of of what you want to be in life your behavioral style you are who you are you're wired a certain way so let's let's make sure you're in the right seat on the bus right we know you belong in the organization but if you excel at business development and customer relationships 
that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be happy managing people, even though in your mind you think it's a promotion. So, yeah. you know, the, the flip side of that equation is that not only does it, is the company wrong in thinking that they should promote this person just because, um, there's so many employees out there, so many, and sales manager is a perfect example where they accept the opportunity, even though they don't know it's right, because they want to do, if the, they say to themselves, well, I guess if the company thinks it's right for me, it must be, but it doesn't feel right. Right. And then, then not only, like you said, not only does the team have a sales manager that isn't happy doing what they're doing, um, but their own personal life starts getting affected and it all starts to, to snowball downhill. So we work with organizations to make sure they are taking a good look at the behavioral style of the person and the actual skills and saying, if this person loves business development, they clearly like going out there and talking to new people and banging on doors. How are you going to tell me that this person is going to enjoy being in their office and talking to the same people every day? right? It doesn't, doesn't compute, right? So I just kind of, kind of focus on that and get them to realize that it may actually not be the top salesperson. There may be somebody else in the organization that actually has a skill set and the style to exceed that you're overlooking. Yeah. I love it. I, I, lo I love that answer. And I, I just would encourage leaders that are listening to this to, to, to pay attention, you know, and one of the things I often hear working with those people, because we'll get to work with those all-star salespeople, because um, they're they're a great person to invest in from a training and coaching standpoint, because then they'll give you five or ten percent more, and that's a big uh, that's a big deal. And um, if they're a performer, can be a big right. deal. Yeah, so I have actual uh, examples of where we have, you know, as part of our process, we allow organizations to include internal. You know, if they if they if they work with Ag One Source to fill a sales leadership role, like a VP of Sales role. I allow them to include their internal candidates in our process. So it's fair and equitable, and it helps the internal candidates understand the competition, right? And, and what they're up against. And there is a situation a few years ago where, where the organization contracted with us, but they are pretty convinced that their internal candidate was the person. And I ran a behavioral assessment on that individual, and they were the opposite of what you'd want as a sales manager. They were they're almost introverted, right? But our assessment tool that we use actually shows when people are stressed and are making themselves look differently publicly than they really are, right? And that was the case here. So this is an individual that was perceived as being a sales manager because they knew for their current role, they had to act that way. Um, but really deep down inside, they hated every minute of it. And so when I ran the assessment, I visited with the candidate and I said, look, they say you're, you may be the right person, you're obviously through your name in the hat. I'm looking at the results here and I'm saying, are you sure? And he honestly said, no, I'm not, but they feel I'm ready for it. And I said, okay, but tell me about how it is now because he was managing a smaller team and he was gonna be promoted to managing the whole team, right? And he goes, well, I'll be honest with you. He said, there's definitely a few days every week where I just pull over on the side of the road and relax for about 30 minutes before I walk in the door because I don't want my family to see how stressed I am about how my day goes. And it's like, you can't, you can't do this, right? You can't, you're going to be tripling that right now. There's only so many days in a week to pull over on the side of the road. So I bring that up as a very real story that there's organizations that are about to make big mistakes with top employees by, by thinking the only way you can 
help them out is to promote them, whether it's the right role or not. And that could be the worst thing because guess what? That employee is no longer with that organization because they pushed it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. There's, there's so much depth to this, right? When you think about what it, what's required to be more intentional, where a lot of leaders are missing it. And I'm going to say the vast majority are missing it and messing it up and probably causing themselves more challenges Mm -hmm. than, than they need to. That's one of the reasons I created this podcast is is because I see that with my customers and I sat back and said, how how can I reach more people with this message? (laughs) How can we get better recommendations, a leadership school, if you will, you know, out there in front of more, more leaders in agribusiness, because it's literally costing people millions. I was just working on a prospective deal the other day where um, it was with an an integrator type company, but um, they had a, a toxic CFO that was costing them causing them problems with mm-hmm. the executive team and the lack of trust and the, the consulting company that I uh, was talking to about this. And they thought it probably has cost this company somewhere between 60 and a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Just like with unintentional leadership, unintended right. consequences, not paying attention, thinking that they're, they were, you know, their, their ideas were just more important, you know, and sometimes we got exactly. to take a step back. So Mark, from, from your perspective, how do we, like, what do you recommend current leaders, you know, people that are in those executive roles that are influencing their organizations, teams, even mid-level managers that are influencing people? How do you, how do you start to navigate the complexity of this? Because this is not, uh, it's not always logical, right? right. And, and if we don't have a ton of experience in solving these change management issues, then, you know, we're, we're likely to trip up and we're all going to make mistakes anyway, but uh, what are, what are maybe one or two recommendations for being able to cut through the complexity of being a more intentional leader and in managing these teams? Well, the, the, the first place to start should be obvious, but it's not. And that is leadership is a two-way conversation, right? It isn't, it isn't a leader sitting at a desk and trying to and stressed over a blank sheet of paper saying, what's what's my secession plan for this organization, right? It's actually a two-way conversation and actually spending intentional time with your employees, not just once a year at an annual review, by the way, right? Way more often than that, um, to understand where does this person see themselves in one year, three year, five years? Where do they want to take their career? And using that as the backdrop for your succession planning and your current career advancement strategy, right? Because I think that's, you know, my, you know, our sales manager is a perfect example of where assuming somebody is good at sales, they may actually want to be the sales manager may not be the case. You may have somebody that's in sales and doing okay, but they actually really would like to not be on the road anymore. So if they can find a job somewhere else that has them in a operations role, they might be happier and they but because they're afraid to tell you that because you have them in the sales slot, right? It's all of those conversations, which ties into turnover, happy employees, as well as putting them on a career path. And when you're having these two-way conversations, the second component of that is you can put people on a career path and you can actually um, give them career advancement without giving them a new title, right? Career advancement is progression towards your goal. It isn't Career advancement doesn't only happen when you get a new title, right? And I think that's the other myth that we have to break down here is that you can advance the careers of your employees without 
promoting them in their title, but as they're gaining responsibility, gaining new skill sets, putting them on a path to somewhere, that's the career path that employees are looking for. That's why they stay with an organization. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, <clears throat> Tony Robbins. I'm going to butcher this quote just a little bit, but he says the the number one contributor to happiness is progress. Exactly. It's not having what you want, right? It's knowing that I'm making little bite size progressions um, to, toward towards something, towards what I want, whether it's, you know, selling a product, making more money, you know, launching a product, being in charge of something. I don't know, but um, everybody's got their own thing, but just can you, can you break it down into some bite-sized steps and celebrate the progress that you're making on a daily basis, as right. opposed to, you know, sitting and looking at how far away you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. It, you know, all the, every company struggles with employee engagement, but um, you know, one of the main reasons challenges to employee engagement is my company doesn't care about me. I'm just a number. Well, you can't say that if, if your organization and your supervisor is engaging with you, even if it's four times a year, let alone monthly or weekly of how are we doing? Where are we going? Are we putting you on a path? That's a constant reminder that they care about you and are advancing you. That whole thing goes away for that employee. Yeah. You said something interesting a while back about balance and that balance isn't always what we think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk talk a little bit more about that. What's what is work the 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 balance work life balance is what people bring up. Time management is what I hear a lot from people. What 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 is that for you? Well, it, in agriculture, especially the crop production sector, um, it's easy to poke at work life balance because it always looks like it's out of balance, right? It's work hard, play hard, right? Mm-hmm. It, and and it, it has changed drastically over the last 20 years. Technology has actually not improved work-life balance. Technology has actually hurt work-life balance in production ag because, you know, I started my career as a sales agronomist way, way back in the 90s, right? And yes, we had cell phones, but they were in a bag plugged into the cigarette lighter in my truck. And guess what? When I got out of my truck, nobody was calling me right? Mm-hmm. Nobody was going to bug me after hours because my phone was sitting in my truck or I had it unplugged, you know, I, when I have a cigarette lighter in my house. So nobody would ever call my cell phone after hours that in, there wasn't even email back then, right? So there was no way to contact me. So that transitioned and then Roundup came along, which basically means we're now, and fungicides developed, and now we're actually spraying fields from April to August, right? Before you were done by early June, in the Midwest for the most part, right? And you had you had the summer months of July to go to the uh, the state ag golf outings and all those types of things, right? Nobody has time to do that anymore because of that. So that just fuels this perception of, of work-life balance. But I will tell you that again, because I'm hearing why people leave the roles, even though managers are saying, oh, they left for more money or they left because they didn't want to work as hard as we do here at this, ag retail organization, the reality is they're leaving roles that they have to put in just as many hours. They have just a stronger sense of team and they have a stronger sense of recognition from their supervisor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of really good managers out there that manage a good profitable business. But if you don't tell your employees that the business is profitable because of the effort they're doing, it's not going to get recognized, right? We all know what happens to quarterbacks that don't consistently thank their offensive line, right? They end up on their butt a lot, yeah. right? 
And that's where I think a lot of ag retail managers need to realize that their their operations and sales team are their offense. If they're the quarterback, those people are their offensive line. If they aren't doing something every day to show them a little appreciation and show them that they recognize the extra effort that they're putting in on the weekends or the nights or things like that, um, it, it goes a long ways. And I'm not talking about commercialized things of, hey, you know, you get through the spring, we're going to have a picnic. It's truly on a Saturday afternoon saying, you know what? I know you were wanting to go out and spray that field, but I also know your son's in the baseball championship. You can't miss that, right? I'm not going to allow you to, we'll figure out how to get it done. And here's a $50 gift card to take your wife out afterwards or something like that, right? It's those little things that that have gone away, that sense of team, that sense of appreciation. And so that to me is the trio, is the true issue behind work-life balance. It's actually the lack of team. Even though companies say we work together as a team, they might to get that get through that day, but they truly feel like a team and have each other's backs, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the Navy SEAL bro- approach, right? It's the Jocko Willink approach to to leadership and teamwork yep. has gone by the wayside in ag retail in particular. Because we're so focused on tight margins and not enough employees, let's just get through the day. We'll deal with the other stuff later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it, it it spirals quickly, you know. And what one of the things um that I'm starting to talk a lot about now that just really kind of hit me upside the head here about six months ago is the the concept of and the law of exponentials. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we'll just, uh, th- th- I stole this, I'm stealing, I'm borrowing this uh, analogy from a guy named uh, Chris Masterson, Dr. Ma- uh, Dr. Chris, mm-hmm. um, who uh, he, he wrote, and he, he writes a lot about, um, you know, the, the federal debt and things like this and how exponentials are coming into play in that space. And it's actually a very dark story, but I love the, <laughs> love the analogy that he uses. He says, so if we were sitting in uh, Yankee stadium, right. And, and you and I are just sitting up there, we go up to the top row. And we send somebody down with this, uh, with this drop, uh, a dropper full of this magic, uh, magic water. What's magic about it is if you even just put one drop uh, of this water, uh, say drop it on home plate. Okay. Uh, it, it doubles in volume every minute on the minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting in Yankee stadium. Somebody drops that little drop of water, just a little, little dropper, right? A little medicine dropper. Let's say it's 12 o'clock. Okay. What time is it? Do you think before? Uh, the stadium is full. I have no idea. It, uh, it well, it, t- it took it, me a it's while. Ex- exponentially <laughs> fast, right? Because it goes from half to full in one minute, right? Yeah, so. it goes. It goes. It goes <laughs> it, 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 I've, I've, I've been using this at events lately a lot, and and uh, I've had people guess like three days or five hours or twenty right. minutes. We you know it's all over the board. So, but the answer is at twelve fifty one, the stadium is full. Oh wow. That, yeah, but, like I said, it goes it, fast. It goes fast. But what's interesting is you you can't see that you're in trouble. You can't see that the water is going to really start to fill quickly until about 1246. So at 1246, okay. right, that the, the stadium is 3% full, mm-hmm. right? And then 6, and then 12, and then 25, right? So then it... Once you get to that level, then it starts to double. And and I equate that same concept to exactly what you're talking about 
and people being unintentional in their leadership with their sales teams, with their ops teams, with their folk, you know, because they're, I, I see a lot of leaders who are just so bled out and strung out that they, they literally don't have the leftover capacity in many cases to be intentionally nice and to do some of those things, to be watching mm-hmm. out for their team, help uh, remove some of the roadblocks for their team to help them get to the baseball game, mm-hmm. uh, to help them make sure that they're taking time. I mean, we run into people all the time that haven't taken a vacation in years and it's like a right. badge of honor. Right. You know? It is. And and it truly is. I think a lot of leaders getting back to that intentional. Yeah. You have to live it yourself. You have to lead by example. Right. Right. And because there, I know a lot of leaders and you do too, that actually do a good job, a job of trying to help their employees with their work-life balance and try to congratulate them, but they don't do it themselves. So who wants their job, right? Nobody right. wants to take their job. If that's what it takes, get me out of here. I want to, I'd rather go in another organization that respects their managers, right? So it's leading by example as part of the story. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here today are, are some things that a lot of people don't want to hear. You know, it's not, um, it's not, this is not a comfortable opinion. <laughs> exactly. It's And when you talk to people, you talk to individuals, like they get it. They're like, yeah, I know. And, uh, and we do a lot of this in our thriving leader program where we're trying to help people build, you know, a greater sense of capacity so, so that they can lead more intentionally. But uh, to come back to this, you know, the, the example of exponentials, like it, there's just these little, these little things that get missed or mm-hmm. uh, things that ought to be recognized, even just in passing even just in passing something I'm working really hard with myself on right now with my team is just noticing like when, when Ani does something right, I, I need to, I need to tap back on that with a text message. Like now in the moment, don't wait. Cause I'll forget mm-hmm. about it. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or don't wait till tomorrow. It doesn't mean as much, but right. when I do that consistently, and then sometimes there's feedback, like I got to give some constructive criticism. Right. But if I, the, the, the ratio that I was taught back in the nineties, uh, and this is some other leadership author, I forget the name, uh, but it was taught to me is that you should be shooting for an eight to one ratio. And, and there's some people out there that if they could get a two to one ratio, they would be a massive right. improvement. But the downside of not hitting that is you get these, these little resentments that start to stack up. I call it the resentment stack. The resentment stack stacks and stacks and stacks. Uh, it's kind of linear at first, right? It doesn't stack like pancakes, but it's linear right. at first. And you forgive it because it's like, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. But just like that drop of water, right? It just starts to, starts to compound. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like compound interest, just like exponentials yep. work. And all of a sudden it's just like up and to the right in the last five minutes. And you don't even realize that the person was unhappy and maybe right. they didn't either for a ton, mm-hmm. but it's stacked long enough. And this is, and th- this is how it works. And this is why you start to lose people, especially after a busy season, like the spring. Mm-hmm. Right. Because during those times, that's when things really start to stack up and you're, you're tired. People are tired and hungry because <laughs> they're running 18, 20 hours a day sometimes. Right. right? And, and then that's when they, um, you know, end up end up leaving. So uh, this this game of intention is, is by no means easy, um, but it is necessary, I think, to create better organizations in this space. Exactly. And so. you're. Your analogy of the water dropper in Yankee Stadium applies to the leadership challenge that most organizations have today in that aside from being intentional, they didn't realize that they didn't have a good secession plan until it was too late, right? And that's you and I both spend a lot of our time helping organizations that have the oh no moment 
right? Like, wow, we should have been working on this. They, I'm glad they admit they have a problem, but they should have admitted the problem five years ago, not waiting until six months before half the leadership team wants to announce their retirement, right? That's a problem, right? And yeah, it, yeah. that's one of those things, aside from just keeping your employees, it's actually thinking about the succession of the organization and the sustainability of the organization with or without you is part of that intention that gets overlooked in the busyness of the day, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's like that old saying: when, when was the best? Uh, when's the best time to plant a tree? Forty years ago, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, in in if you haven't planted the tree, probably now is the time. So, uh, Mark, I want to hit just a couple of quick questions, and then have uh, um, have you just share with people how they can plant that tree uh, sure. today, and and uh, and give you a call before we uh, before we jump out. But in addition to working with a lot of organizations, you lead a team of people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at Ag One Source. So um, what's uh, what's been your biggest biggest win and biggest challenge in uh, in your role in, in leading a team? You know, I would say that in, in our industry of, of recruiting, you know, probably the biggest challenge is, is that people Every depending on your personal experience or your perception in the marketplace, everybody has a very different view of what a day in the life of a recruiter really is, right? Um, is it helping people? Is it selling? Is it doing this? Is it doing that? And I think the biggest challenge is breaking down those barriers of what perceptions are. Um, there's good recruiters and bad recruiters out there, just like there's good trainers and there's bad trainers out there, right? And everybody their perception of an industry is based on the bad experience, regardless of how many good they've had, right? So that is really the the, the biggest challenge we have is just introducing people to how um, a career in executive recruiting is actually great for families. It's great for lots of reasons, but it may not be what you think it is. So it's, it's harder and it's not just sitting around waiting for people to call you by any stretch, right? Yeah. So, and I would say the biggest win is that I've been doing this now 18 years. It's hard to believe that, but I have, right? Since I left um, the egg, you know, the egg production industry directly. And even though I've still been part of the egg industry my whole career, you know, I would say the biggest win is helping the evolution of some of these companies that we're talking about today who actually recognize when it is time to plant a tree um, beforehand and able to help them reach their goals. Um, a lot of what we do as an organization isn't just finding talent. It's actually making sure that the organization is actually hiring the talent that they should have versus think they need based on the issue of today. Again, it's about let's start thinking about where do you need your trees, not just you need a little bit of shade today, right? So let's start think, taking that long-term perspective and then working with them to actually putting some of the things in place that we're talking about today to actually retain these people um and actually promote them right so our you know over 18 years some of my greatest success stories are people that i have placed in organizations at entry level to mid-level roles that are now leading those companies and they're obviously my best clients but also it's we now are our team right we are a family they can't imagine working with another organization because we've helped them so much but they're also helping my company as well because when they give me entry-level roles, it allows me to hire entry-level people to support those roles. So it's it's a lot of fun from that standpoint. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story. That's a, that's a great background too. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, two more real quick. What what book should everybody be, uh, be, be reading and or listening to right now? 
Um, well, if, and I guess my chair is in the way. I've got I've got lots of books. That's a that's a tough question. Um, I, I would say the one that I um, the one that I read recently that I think can we can make it apply to all businesses, but especially smaller businesses that are led by an entrepreneur is the book Traction by Gina yeah. Wickman, right? Yeah. So, and I would say, even if you're part of a large organization, just the way that they tend to simplify what we try and make complicated and focusing on your core values when you hire, actually making sure you, your people belong on your bus and then making sure they're in the right seat on the bus, all of those types of things. It's a very simplified approach that I think a lot of business leaders can relate to because there's agree me, there's lots of books out there that touch on that. But for some reason, that one really resonated with simplifying the process so everybody at any level of management can understand it and apply it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm super glad you brought that up. Actually, it's super relevant. I love the entrepreneurial operating system. Like I follow it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that that the 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 writers of that book um, have produced. Right. There's a whole organization. I have. If, if you're in a really any level of leadership role, I recommend people look at it. And I would love to see more. Uh, so that there's a, a sister book to that called Rocket Fuel, right? Uh, which is designed for you know that executive level or you know somebody like myself or like you to understand like how do you get that player on your team that can help you be more of you. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, in my world, man, I'm 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 great at you know selling the vision. I'm not great at executing the detail. I mm -hmm. have to hire and have those detail people on my team. And mm -hmm. um, in times when I haven't even when I was getting started and couldn't afford that, you know, you had to do everything. It got done. It just maybe didn't get done as well as it could. <laughs> and right. then when you get that person on your team that can operate in that true COO role, it actually gives you as the leader more time to be intentional. Exactly. Right. Yep. But it comes back to the same concept that you mentioned back in the beginning, which is uh, if, if you are a sales leader uh, and you want to build your team, delegate one or two or three of those things out and start building. You don't have to hire a new person. You don't have to spend more money. Literally start training them how to do little bits and pieces so that, man, if you ever get promoted or take off and go somewhere somewhere new, the organization is actually in better condition than it would have been otherwise. Exactly. And, and you'll be happier and healthier as well, right? Yeah. Because the stress, not only just from doing all of those things, but the stress of doing things that aren't really you wears on you over time. And it affects your personal life as much as your business success. Yeah. I think, you know, we've talked about a lot of simple concepts today, Mark, when you break it down, they're simple concepts, not always easy to implement. And uh, so we definitely need some help from uh, guys like yourself and myself. So how do they, re how do we reach out to you? How do we find uh, and get a hold of you? Best way to do that is our website is agonesource.com and that's AG, the number one, S O U R C E.com. Um, our contact information is on there and you can learn a little bit about what we do beyond just executive recruiting um, with our behavioral assessments and our coaching and all of those types of things as well. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for being with me on the, uh, the Intentional Agri Agribusiness Leader podcast today. This has been fun. Thanks a lot, Mark. I really enjoyed it and uh, open to talk anytime. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic 
of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.